Go ahead and make your way to Matthew 23. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today. Um, so just a few things before we get started. Uh, set a little bit of background and stuff. And one, if you see me fidgeting with this Bible, I just went and bought it yesterday, and it don't want to stay open. So it hadn't been worn in yet, so just forgive me if I'm having to constantly move on this thing, but uh, I normally read from the NASB, and everybody here reads from the ESV, and I thought, well, if I'm going to teach, I might as well start teaching out of the ESV, so I went and bought one, and it don't lay flat like my other one does. So anyway, um, we're going to be in Matthew 23. We're going to look at a lot of verses this morning. Uh, we won't go over them in great detail, but we will go through these and look at those. And just to kind of give you a little background, um, kind of what we're looking at this morning, uh, Jesus is going to talk to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he's going to talk uh, directly about them. Um, and so up to this point, kind of what's, gone, what's been going on, you know, we, we've gone through the whole, uh, you know, the birth of Jesus, the beginning of his ministry, we've seen uh, all the miracles, all the teachings, um, all these things that Jesus has been doing that's been leading up to this point. And a few of the things that had just previously happened is uh, they have be the scribes and the Pharisees, they begin to question Jesus. And they be begin to question him specifically on the law. Well, the law says this, what do you say about that? What do you say is the greatest law? And so they're, they're really testing him um, about the law and about what Scripture really says. And so that kind of leads Jesus up to this point. Now, before we really jump in uh, to all this, I want to I want to define a couple of things for you first. Um, you guys know I like to to throw a few definitions out out because sometimes it helps enhance what we're reading. When we talk about scribes and Pharisees, we've all heard of them, but who are they? Who exactly are the scribes and the Pharisees? Um, the scribes even though maybe their jobs began out as uh, writing down and copying Old Testament Scripture, in the New Testament times, in the time that Jesus is, is talking, uh, they were essentially lawyers as they interpreted and ruled on legal matters brought before them, and they could also be elected to the Sanhedrin, which was the high court um, there in the temple. Uh, but they had also added hundreds of their own traditions that were not part of God's Scripture. And so when you go and, and you go back just a uh, a chapter or two, and it says a lawyer questioned Jesus, you know, which is the greatest commandment. Uh, he was probably a scribe. Uh, that was kind of their whole job, is their whole job was to, uh, to interpret what the Old Testament law says um, and to really enforce it. But unfortunately, as, as we said, uh, they added a lot to it. And so they took, they took Old Testament, but they also took their own traditions and their own laws um, and they interpreted all of those also. Well, the Pharisees, they're, they're pretty similar. Um, the Pharisees, they study and taught the laws written in the Scriptures as well as the oral traditions. And they had a view that the oral traditions were equal to Scripture. Um, their emphasis was on, on obedience to the law and oral tradition, which uh, we would probably call legalism. Um, so these are the people that, that Jesus is talking to. He's talking to, hey, you lawyers, hey, you experts in the law, you who, who write the law, you who interpret the law, and then you who teach the law and enforce the law and really come down on others when they don't obey your law. Here's who I'm talking to. And so we, we can begin uh, looking at the scripture here in Matthew 23 with that understanding of these are the people he's talking to. 
Um, Matthew 23, starting at verse 1, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their flatteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you're all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We're going to stop right there for a minute. Let's pray together. Um, God, we do thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you uh, that you have revealed your scriptures to us. Uh, God, I pray for this time now as we read from them. and um, God, as we hear you condemn those that, uh, that knew your scriptures and taught your scriptures, God, I pray that uh, you would give us a heart and an ear to hear what the scriptures have to say, God, that you will, uh, by your spirit, humble us. God, help us to look at ourselves. Um, God, break down any pride that may stand in the way of hearing your word today. Um, God, I pray that through your spirit, you will uh, convict us and you will teach us during this time. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, so we've kind of gone through um, a few verses here. Uh, and he, he's, he's directing his attention to the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, he, and it says he was talking to the crowds and to his disciples. So he, he wasn't maybe necessarily directly looking at them, but he was looking at everybody else, but they were there. Um, they heard uh, everything he said. He said, uh, they sit on Moses' seat. And I thought, well, what in the world does that mean? Um, and so I kind of looked, and uh, really, whether it was a literal seat or a figure of speech, um, it was basically a place of authority as a teacher of the law. And so he's saying they're sitting on Moses' seat, so listen to them. Um, so basically, uh, I, I look at that as kind of the pulpit today. You know, somebody's preaching behind the pulpit, you need to pay attention. Uh, listen to what they're teaching. And so that's what he's saying about, about the Pharisees. You need to listen to what they're teaching. Um, but it kind of comes with a, with a, a side note. Uh, that you need to make sure you're listening when they're teaching from Scripture, not when they're teaching from their own man-made written law. Um, that's why Jesus, he tells them, he says, do, what they, uh, do and observe whatever they tell you. Uh, because they were in that place of authority. They were in that place of, of teaching authority. And so he says, obey them, because that's, that's what they're there for. They're there to interpret uh, Scripture to you. You need to listen. Um, but then he goes on. And he says, uh, do and observe what they tell you, but do not do the works they do, for they preach and do not practice. Um, that's not really a, a good follow-up comment. You know, I, I would hate for it to be said of me or, or Eric or whoever may stand up here and teach that, um, hey, you need to listen to what they tell you, but don't do what they do. Uh, that would be a terrible witness. Um, but that's exactly what Jesus is saying of, of the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, listen to what they're teaching. What they're teaching uh, is scripture, but don't, don't do what they do. Just do what they tell you because they're obviously not following uh, what they're saying. Um, 
We know that as a hypocrite. That, that's, that's what we typically call um, a hypocrite, is one who uh, teaches one thing but does something completely different. And so that's, that's who we have here um, with the scribes and the Pharisees. And so you can imagine, you know, they, they took great pride in uh, not only knowing the law but appearing to be um, a perfect follower of the law. Because that's, that's kind of what he goes on and, and when he tells us a little bit about them, uh, that's what we see. And so for, for Jesus to come up and say, you know, these guys are teaching you. You need to listen to their teaching, but don't, don't do what they're doing. Um, it had to have been a huge slap in the face because they thought in their own mind, when everything I'm doing is right. This is what, I, this is what everybody's supposed to do. That's why, um, you know, they kind of made themselves the law police. So, you know, if you're not perfectly obeying the law, they're going to they're gonna crawl your case. Um, that's kind of their job. And for, and for Jesus to say, uh, don't act like these guys because they're not following the law, um, was definitely a slap in their face. Uh, but he goes on, he says in verse 4, that they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders. Uh, but they themselves are not willing uh, to move them with their finger. And so these heavy burdens that he's talking about, it is all this oral tradition. It's all these, these man-made laws that they've attached to the law of God and said, you must obey these. And, you know, we've all kind of heard um, some of those in our past. If you've been in church very often, uh, you know, you hear how uh, the Jews, maybe uh, when it comes to the Sabbath, um, they can only take so many steps and they can only, uh, you know, they prepare all their food on, uh, on, on Friday because they don't want to, you know, do any work on uh, the Sabbath day. And so they've taken, you know, something that God has set aside and said, this is good. And then they've, they've piled all this stuff on it and said, well, for you to obey this, you've got to do this, 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 and this, and you've got to follow this. And it becomes such a burden. Um, it was hard for people to do that. And he says, they're not doing it, but they're expecting you to do it. They're, they're putting this heavy burden on you. And that's exactly why he says, listen to them, but don't act like them. Um, they're really trying to, uh, they're, they're weighing the people down with a lot of things that really doesn't matter. Um, verse 5, it says, uh, they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they uh, make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but I say it with confidence, so you'll probably think it's right. Um, if somebody else got a better pronunciation, let me know. Um, they love the place of honor at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, the greetings in the marketplaces, um, being called rabbis by others. Um, these things he's talking about, the phylacteries and the, the fringes, I've actually got some pictures. Uh, if you pull the first one up, Caleb. Uh, the phylactery, this, it's, the little, it's the little leather box. Uh, they wore them on their foreheads. They wore them on their, their left arm and stuff, and they would write scripture and roll it up and stick it in there. And it's, it was a literal interpretation from something they were instructed to do back in Deuteronomy. Um, and so, you know, God says that to keep scripture, you know, on your, fore, on your foremind or your forethought. And so they think, okay, well, I'll just stick it on my head, and there it is. Um, you know, it looks silly. It looks like a flashlight or something. <laughs> You know, like you push a button and that thing will light up, or I don't know. It's, it's goofy looking, but that's what they did. And so Jesus is saying, you know, you guys go around with these things, but then you start making them bigger. Because it's like the bigger the one I have, the more scripture I've got stuck on my head. You know, it's like I've got more scripture than you've got uh, kind of thing. And, and, and it's kind of the same thing. And then the fringes, um, this is just kind of a typical dress for some people back in the day. But you can kind of see the fringes hanging down. I would cut them off. I don't think they look good. 
But apparently, uh, back to them, that was, that was you know, pretty impressive. You had long fringes hanging off of your garments. Um, but basically what this is saying is they're doing things to impress people. They're, they're trying to make themselves look better than they are, to look better than everybody else. Um, you know, hey, maybe you go around with a little box of scripture in your head, but look at the size of my box. You know, look at the fringes hanging off of, off of my garments. Um, that was their whole attitude. Their whole attitude is, you know, I'm holier than you are, so you need to bow before me, listen, do what I say, give me great honor. Um, that's exactly what they were doing, and, and that's what we read about um, in Matthew 23. They, they love the greetings in the marketplaces. They love being called rabbi. Uh, and then Jesus kind of goes and talks about not calling people rabbi or teachers or fathers. And basically all that is, he's not condemning uh, titles for people uh, because you do have an earthly father. But he's, he's condemning the pride that's coming along with that. It's the pride of you know, call me rabbi, call me teacher, call me, you know, whatever it is. It's man puffing himself up is what it is. It's man building himself up to be greater than, than everyone around him and, and wanting all the honor and respect. Um, and that's why Jesus says in verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. It's exactly the opposite of what the people saw in their religious leaders. Um, these are the guys who should have been the examples of humility, but instead they were the examples of pride. They were the examples of arrogance. Um, and if we remember back in uh, Matthew chapter 5, if you, if you will just kind of turn back there, um, I will if my pages get unstuck. <clears throat> when Jesus was teaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, starting in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the hungry, or those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. There is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. And so this whole thing that Jesus began his whole ministry teaching was humility. For us to ever see God, for us to ever get to know God, we first have to come to a place of humility. As long as there's pride in our lives, um, we'll never have a need for God. And Jesus is saying, humble yourself. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are humble. And yet, when he gets to the religious leaders of their day, it's anything but humility. It's anything but meekness. It's all about me. It's all about what I know. It's all about honor. It's all about respect. It's all about building myself up. Um, this is who the Jews of the day had as teachers. And so Jesus is about to um, expose them for who they really are. And he's about to give some warnings um, as we continue on in Matthew 23. So starting in verse 13, it says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would, go, who would enter to go in. And so I want to I bring out a few things. One... Um, 
when I was kind of talking to Eric about what I was going to teach on, I said, you know, I wish we had a really good, passionate reader of Scripture. Uh, because this is kind of one of those Scriptures that I can't do it justice. Um, you know, I don't think Jesus said, uh, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You know, that's like, okay. Um, but there was a lot of passion there. You know, it was, it was really that woe. It was that, that you're, you know, something's coming. You need to pay attention. Um, and I wish I had somebody that could, that it could exhibit that, but I don't think we do. So just kind of use your imagination on that. Um, but I do want to bring up one thing. You know, the word woe, how many times do you use that in a day? You know, we don't use that in our language. You know, woe to you. The only time we ever use it is like, woe is me, right? I mean, do you use it for anything other than that, other than kind of a, a woe is me kind of thing? Um, and what does that kind of symbolize? That kind of symbolizes uh, pity. You know, it's like, oh, poor pitiful me. Um, let me give you the real definition of that word woe. This is at least out of the Greek. It's a state of hardship or distress. It's also translated disaster, horror, or how terrible. Um, in case you wondered why there was a nuclear bomb going off in my, my screen there, uh, that's exactly why. Um, I can't think of a whole lot more disastrous and horrible than that. Um, and it's kind of pretty too. Um, but that's what he's, that's what he's saying. He, he's not saying, whoa, you poor pitiful scribes. He's saying disaster is coming. Horror is coming. Something terrible is coming to you because of what you're doing. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking about this. I, I'll chase a rabbit here for a minute. And I, I know um, you guys might want to hear a story. I don't know. Uh, these words, you know, disaster and horror and things such as that, you know, how do we translate that stuff in our mind? Like, what do we associate that stuff with? Uh, because, you know, this is what Jesus is talking about. And so when, when I was thinking about it, and especially with that atomic bomb going off, um, you know, I remember when I was a kid in elementary school, um, I lived in Lebanon at the time, and there were several elementary schools. Well, my school was old. It was old when I was there. It's not even there anymore, uh, but it was an old school. It was an old three-story three building, but the bottom floor is where the cafeteria was, and there was a couple of classrooms and stuff there, um, but it wasn't like a true basement. It was kind of a half basement. It was partially underground, but partially above ground, and I remember as a kid, like when we'd go to lunch, you'd go down the steps, and there were these signs on the wall that had like this radioactive symbol and it said fallout shelter. And I didn't know what that was. All I knew was that's creepy. Like, you know, I'd heard of like, you know, this nuclear threat we were living on and it just freaked me out as a kid that, cause I was like, you know, I don't know if this is something good or something bad. It was just a fallout shelter. I thought, man, that's, I mean, when I think of a disaster, I'm like, man, run to my elementary school and get in the cafeteria, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's, that's terrible. And then um, when you think of a horror, what do you think of? You think of a movie, don't you? Like, that's probably everybody's first impression is a horror flick. Um, and, you know, I was kind of thinking about that. And um, I guess I could kind of tell this now that mom's not around to beat me up over it. Um, I think my mom tried to... Uh, I don't know what she was trying to do to me when I was a kid. <laughs> my dad, he worked second shift. We still live in Lebanon. Um, he worked at a factory second shift. So we were home with mom in the evenings. And so if mom wanted to do anything, me and my brother had to go. 
Uh, she, we weren't old enough to, uh, to stay at home by herself, and so if mom wanted to go to the store, we had to go to the store. If mom wanted to go to the movie, we had to go to the movie. And my mom always liked what she called scary movies. And I remember, <laughs> man, I don't know what she was thinking, because um, <clears throat> I had to look it up to see what year this came out. In 1980, I was nine years old, and there was a movie come out that I guess was critically acclaimed called The Shining. And mom wanted to watch it. So me and little brother, we go to the theater and watch The Shining. And I think, I look back at that, I think, what was she doing? Like, I should have never, I shouldn't even watch that as an adult. You know, I'm nine years old watching Jack Nicholson try to kill people with an axe. It was like, oh, man, you know, it's crazy. But you think about stuff like that, and you're like, I mean, that's horror. That Man, as a kid, I was scared to death. You know, if it snowed, you're like, I ain't going outside, you know. <laughs> Forget that. Um, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about things that, that are, are, it's terrible. I mean, it's horrible. It's, it's situations you don't want to be in. Um, and, this, and the real scary thing is, it, it's situations, I mean, that's what we think of. But when you think about, you know, God saying, you know, woe to you, something terrible, something disastrous is coming, um, man, we don't even know. You know, luckily, I have no idea what's going on in the spiritual realm of things. I have no idea what Satan and his demons are capable of, or I have no idea what hell would even be like. Like, I can't even get anywhere close to fathoming these things. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying terror is coming. Horror is coming. Disaster is coming to you. It's things you can't even imagine. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, fire fell from the sky and completely wiped those off the face of the earth. You know, it's the type of things that um, God's capable of doing. And, and, and so when Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, he's not saying you need to feel sorry for yourself. He's saying there's something terrible coming to you because of what you're doing. And, and so I want you to kind of think about that as we go through and we read uh, these verses. We always talk about the seven woes, but really this is something, it's, it's terrible. I mean, this is something you can't wrap your mind around when he... He's giving them these warnings. Um, there's something disastrous heading their way, and they don't know. They can't see it coming. And then he calls them hypocrites, and we kind of talked about that a little bit. But the actual, uh, I've got a definition for that too, I think. It's one who pretends to be other than he really is, and a real good definition is an actor. That, that's a good, good picture of a hypocrite is, is somebody who, is portraying somebody else. Um, you know, just think of, think of some of your favorite movies uh, and the actors that played in them. You know, they're not really, like, I hate to tell you, but not, like, there's no real Batman. You know, that was somebody putting on a costume and, and making a movie. Um, I kind of wish there was. It'd be pretty cool if there's a real Batman, but there's not. You know, they're actors. They, they want to pretend to be somebody else that, other than they really are. Um, that's a hypocrite. And, and so when, when he calls them a hypocrite, he's saying... This is exactly what you are. You're putting on a face. That's what being a hypocrite is. It's putting on a face. It's putting on a face to fool other people, to say, this is who I am, uh, but really you're not. You're somebody completely different. Um, and so he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. 
For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And so what they were teaching was basically a stumbling block for the people hearing. Um, They were teaching something that was wrong. And this is what he's condemning them for. Um, And so I I call this a wrong theology. Um, I think we've got some slides here, Caleb. There we go. So we're going to look, that's what we're going to look at, these seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. Um, this is what, what Jesus is addressing. And the, the first one here is, is the wrong theology. So what they're teaching, he, he says, you're not allowing people to enter the kingdom of heaven because of what you're teaching them, because the things you're telling them is wrong. And so therefore he says, woe to you. Disaster is coming your way uh, because of what you're teaching. He goes on in verse 15, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land and make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. And so basically, not only are they teaching the Jews the wrong thing, but they're going to other countries and teaching them the wrong thing and converting them to their religion. And he's saying, <laughs> he's saying you're doing more damage than you're doing good. Um, they have a wrong religion. And, and I think those two kind of go hand in hand. If your theology is wrong, your religion is going to be wrong. And this is exactly what, what they're doing is they're going out and they're converting people to their religion and their religion is leading them to hell. And Jesus is saying, disaster is coming to you because of that. Um, terror is coming to you because of that. Verse 16, he says, Woe to you blind guides who say, If anyone swears by the temple, that is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that's made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that's on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that made the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Now, this one's kind of weird um, because we really don't do this. We really don't make oaths and say, you know, I swear by uh, the comfy seat you're sitting in in the church that I will do this. Um, It's not really something that we do uh, in our day, but I guess it's more common back then um, in their day. And and Jesus, if we go back uh, through Matthew 5, he says, you know, I say to you, make no oaths at all, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. <clears throat> and really, he's going back and he's saying, you know, it, when you tell somebody something, it's coming from the heart. It shouldn't come from some superficial, you know, uh, swear on my mama's life that I'll do this type of thing. If you just say yes, let it be yes. If you say no, let it be no. Um, there's no need to, to attach an oath to it. Um, but kind of the weird thing that, that the scribes and Pharisees were doing is they were making, people would make an oath on something in the temple and they were saying, well, if you, make, if you make an oath on the temple, that's nothing. But if you make an oath on the gold in the temple, well, now you've got to obey that. Um, and Jesus says, that's ridiculous. Like, why is the gold even important? It's because it's in the temple. You know, why is the altar even important? It's because, it's because of who you're offering to. Um, and so, you know, this whole thing, it's really, it's going back to um, their whole mindset and their whole heart about why they're even making oaths to begin with. And, you know, the, the one thing I thought of... Um, <clears throat> Going back to movies and stuff, one of my favorite movies, and 
Christmas is not Christmas if you don't watch a Christmas story. Um, you guys may or may not have seen that. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Um, just because everybody needs to see that movie. Um, but one of my favorite parts is when all the kids are on the flagpole, you know, and they go through the whole process of, of the dare. And if you guys have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, I dare you to stick your tongue to the flagpole. You know, the kid's like, well, that's stupid. You know, I'm not going to do that. And they go through the whole process. Well, if you get to the triple dog dare, it's like you can't back down off of that. You know, and, and as silly as that seems, you know, of course he does it. He sticks his tongue to a frozen flagpole and gets stuck because he was triple dog dared to do it. Um, like daring him to do it wasn't good enough. And, and I kind of thought about that when I was thinking about this. You know, the, the Pharisees are like, you know, I dare you. If, you, if somebody dares you to do it, you don't have to do it. But if they triple dog dare you, you better do that thing. Um, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you're making an oath on this. You, you know, you can break that, but don't make an oath on this or you got to keep it. And it all goes back to, to having a heart to obey God, to know who's even important. What's important? Is the temple important? Is the gold important? Is the altar important? No. The only reason we think it's important is because of the person behind it. It's God. God's the authority behind all of this. Um, and so we see that, that they had a completely wrong idea of who's, who's in authority. Um, they had the wrong authority. Their, their authority was in the things on earth, the things of the temple. It wasn't, it wasn't on God. They, they completely forgot who all these things even belonged to. And then he goes on in, in verse 23 and he says, What do you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And so here, again, Jesus is addressing what they're doing. And what are they doing? Um, they're taking... You know, if we go back through the Old Testament law, you know, God commanded uh, the people to tithe of their crops. You know, you, you tithe a tenth of, your, of what your crops produce. And so people did that. You know, you tithe, uh, you tithe your livestock. You tithe, you know, th these things, that, that's what they were tithing from. And here he's saying, you know, you're tithing your mint, your dill, and your cumin. And so he's saying, you've got like these tiny little herbs. And when it grows, you're taking a little bit of that herb and you're tithing off of that. And you think you're doing something great. You know, it's like I'm so, I'm so spiritual and holy that I'll, either, I'll, I'll even tithe from my mint. You know, I've got a mint plant, so I'm going to give, you know, it's got 10 leaves. I'm going to give you a leaf off of my mint plant. And, and they think that's impressing God. And, and I kind of thought about, you know, if you were walking across the parking lot and you found a dime. And you think, oh, I'll retire off of that. So you throw another penny in the box. And you're like, man, I feel good because I, it's the same thing. It's like, what's the point of that? Like, who are you trying to impress by doing it? You know, God's not going, whoa, I can't believe they gave 10% of that dime. You know, that's pretty impressive. Um, you don't impress God by that stuff. And here we have the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, man, I'm so holy. I'm even, I'm even going to tithe from this little thing. I'm even going to tithe from that little thing. And it was all just building themselves up and looking good in the, in the eyes of the people. That's exactly what they were doing. Um, and then he said, uh, you strain a gnat and swallow a camel, um, which that seems really kind of weird. Uh, but what he's kind of addressing there is, is a lot of the Pharisees and stuff would actually strain like their wine or whatever they're going to drink uh, in case a gnat got in it. 
because the gnat was unclean. And if they drink it and had a gnat in it, then it become unclean. They can't do nothing. So they, they want to strain that out. And he says, in worrying about this tiny little gnat, you swallowed a camel, which was the larger of the unclean animals of their time, um, which seems ridiculous that he would even say that. But he's letting them know, this is, this is what you're doing. You're focusing on these tiny little things, and you're forgetting the, the bigger picture. And, and, and this is what you're getting hung up on. He says, um, you're neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness. Man, as a teacher of the law, if we neglect justice and mercy and faithfulness, what are we even teaching people? You know, what were they even teaching people? It was, it was all about performance. It was all about doing these tiny little things and, and forget, about, forget about the heart. Forget about what Scripture says. You've got to obey these tiny little laws to impress people. And, and, and again, going back to putting these weights on people's shoulders, that's what they're talking about. Um, and what they were doing was, was ridiculous. Um, they completely had the wrong focus. And then if we continue on, in verse 25, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside also may be clean. Now this one we can kind of relate to. <clears throat> um, I hope that none of you do this. Like after you eat, you wipe the bottom of your plate in the outside of your cup and put them in the, in the cabinet. Because if you do that, I'm not eating at your house. That's nasty. Um, who, would, who would do that? Like nobody would do that. Nobody would do that. I mean, even a child wouldn't do that. They would try to wipe their stuff off the plate. They would at least make an attempt. Um, and, and sometimes Jesus, when he gives us these examples, he makes them so extreme. You're like, well, nobody would do that. But, but in comparison, the Pharisees were. It was something so ridiculous, it would be just like that. It would be just like taking a plate and wiping the bottom and sticking it back in the cupboard um, and just leaving the whole eating surface completely dirty. Um, that's exactly what he was, he was talking about. And, and what was it all about? It was all, all about greed and self-indulgence. <coughs> and so he's saying, you're trying to look good to people. This is what you're like on the inside. You're full of greed. What did we read about in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount? It's humility. It's not greed. It's not self-indulgence. It's about others. And yet he says, Pharisee, this is your heart. Your heart's all about you. You do everything for you. You do everything um, for your own gain, for your own personal satisfaction, for your own pride. Um, this is exactly the type of people you are. <coughs> and so he exposes to them uh, that they have the wrong heart. But then in verse 27, it says, What do you scribes and Pharisees, these hypocrites? For you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so here it's kind of a similar thing where he's talking about um, back in their day, these tombs that people were built in or were, were buried in, they were built out of, out of stone. And if you touched them, you became unclean. So you had to, they, they had to make sure they didn't touch these tombs because then they would have been ceremonial and clean, and they didn't want that. 
And so they would take a tomb and they would whitewash it. So it would be nice and bright and pretty. And it stood out. And you knew that's a tomb. Stay away from it. Um, <coughs> but what's inside of a tomb? It's a dead person. And he says, this is exactly who you are. You know, on the outside, you appear holy. You appear uh, obedient. But on the inside, he said, you're dead. You're completely dead. And to me, this is that's probably the worst. Is to think that you're alive when in reality you're dead. <coughs> and his cough. <clears throat> he says, within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so we see that they have the wrong salvation. They were trying to obtain it in something other than what they should have been pursuing. Um, they were completely dead inside, but yet they looked holy. They looked spiritual uh, to the eyes of the people that they were talking to. And then he says, What do you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets. <clears throat> thus, thus you witness against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your own synagogue <clears throat> and persecute from town to town so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, I guess, whom you murder between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. And so this last warning he gives them um, is really kind of a warning for not only who they are, but what they're going to do. Um, First of all, we see, you know, their whole attitude was, well, you know, I, I know that our fathers killed a lot of the prophets and stuff, but if we had lived back then, it would have been different. Things definitely would have been different. Um, and Jesus says, no, it wouldn't have been different. You would have done the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, you're going to do the exact same thing. You're going to kill prophets. I'm, I'm about to send some prophets, and you're going to kill them. You're going to flog them. You're going to persecute them. Um, this is exactly what you're going to do. Um, and so he's, he's, he's saying they have, they have a wrong confidence. They have a confidence in their self and not a confidence in, in who God is and what God could do through them. Um, so they have, they have this wrong confidence. And so we can kind of see, Caleb, if you'll pop that last one up there, um, these are kind of the seven woes, and I've kind of put those in categories uh, maybe that we can kind of recognize as, as these were things that the Pharisees and the scribes at the time were doing wrong. And Jesus, he has a harsh warning to them because of it. Um, and so what I really, you know, even though it's good to teach this stuff, and it's good to know, um, you know, this is not just a story. This, this really happened. Like, like these were real people. 
Um, the people he were talking about, they lived. They, they actually did these things. You, you know, sometimes we kind of forget that. Um, I think when we study the Bible, we kind of put that as, as something that we, we, we don't really relate back to that as this was an actual event, but it was. And he was talking to people who were actually doing these things. And he was, he was telling them um, something terrible is going to come upon you because of, of, of what you're doing. And he warned them because of that. Um, but not only, you know, when we, when we read stuff like this, do we take and, and we look at that and we realize, man, this really happened. This was real. Jesus was really warning scribes and Pharisees of these things. Um, but we also take that and we should turn it back on us and say, what does this have to do with me? Like, how do I fit into this? You know, here Jesus just gives some warnings that I want no part of. I want no part of these seven woes. I don't want him to ever say to me, woe to you because of this. Um, last thing I would ever want to hear. And so, and so how do I look at this and how do I say, what does this say about me? <clears throat> and so, because um, I've got that last slide, <coughs> my question is, do you have a wrong theology, a wrong religion, wrong authority, wrong focus, wrong heart, wrong salvation, wrong confidence? <clears throat> and the reason I ask that and the reason we all say no is because we're just like the scribes and the Pharisees of the day. You know, back in the day, you know, they, they weren't going out doing this stuff thinking they were uh, thinking they were doing something wrong. You know, they didn't think what they were teaching was wrong. They didn't think what they were doing was wrong. I mean, they thought everything they were doing was pleasing God. This is exactly what God wants me to do. I'm being just like God wants me to be. And so they were deceived and they didn't know it. They were teaching wrong things and they didn't know it. They were, they were living a wrong kind of life and they didn't know it. Um, are we any different? As a Christian today, could that be us? And the reason I ask is because if you just go around this county and look at how many different churches we have, and most of them are teaching something a little different than others. And so if this church says this is the way of salvation and this church says this is the way of salvation, somebody's wrong and somebody may be right. But if you ask them, they're not wrong. They're teaching exactly what the Bible teaches. And so that's my question to you is, could this be you? Could you, could you be deceived? <coughs> I'm going to get a drink of water. This is killing me. And so as I prayed when we started, I really honestly hope that you can humble yourself to the point to where you can take an honest look inside and say, does any of this apply to me? You know, is there something I'm doing wrong? Because if there is, we should definitely want to change it. Now, I will tell you, um, I'm very confident in the things that are taught at this church. So we're... Any other pastor in this county, um, I'm not saying that we couldn't be wrong, but I'm fully convinced that everything that's taught here is true to the Word of God. Now, that being said, whose responsibility is it to know that what's being taught here is true to the Word of God? It's yours. 
I mean, it's good that you come and you listen to teaching, um, but you need to weigh that against Scripture. You need to make sure that what you're being taught is right because we've all been taught wrong in the past. And, you know, there was a time not too long ago that, you know, I would have swore that I, you know, everything I believed was correct. And God's changed my heart on a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of things that I grew up believing, grew up being taught that, um, you know, I look at now and I say, well, that wasn't completely right. I mean, maybe mostly, but not completely. Um, there were things he's changed my mind on. <clears throat> and it is humbling when that happens because, you know, not only, not only have I believed something that maybe is not right, but I've probably taught it myself um, to somebody else. And then you realize, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of my, my challenge to you today is, is to take a good, honest look at, at yourself. Um, because as Jesus says, you know, these people are being taught, they're being misled. He said, the teachers are not going to enter heaven either the people that are listening. Now, back in, back in the day when Jesus was speaking this, um, people didn't have Bibles laying around the house. They didn't have scriptures at home. The only thing they could learn is if they went to the temple and they heard it taught. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a difficult situation for them, um, <clears throat> but not so for you. Uh, you've probably got multiple Bibles. You're probably sitting there with one in your lap and one on your phone. Um, I don't even know how many Bibles I've got. I've, I've got way more than I need. Um, that's just kind of the way we are. I mean, we've got so much access to the Word of God. We have no excuse to say, I really don't know what it teaches. Um, you know, we don't need to just read it. We need to study it. We need to make sure that, that we understand the teaching of Scripture. We need to make sure we understand the gospel of who Jesus Christ is, why God sent him, what God was doing. Um, we need to make sure we understand that. <clears throat> and, so, and so when we look at these, you know, um, do you have a wrong theology? You know, again, we have to know what Scripture says. We can't believe it just because somebody taught it. And, and I've been guilty of it, and you've probably been guilty of it too, uh, that you just take somebody else's teaching as they probably know more than I do, and you go with it, and then you find out later in life that that really wasn't right. Um, and, of course, a wrong theology leads to a wrong religion. Uh, you know, if we're not careful, we'll turn this religion of, of Christianity into something it's not. Um, and, and there's churches that do. There's churches that, you know, Christianity is all about getting. It's all about living good lives. It's all about doing good works. Um, <clears throat> the focus is in the wrong place. You know, you want to go to heaven, be a good person. Now, that'll send you to hell quicker than anything. You know, th there's things being taught. Um, we have to weigh that against the Bible and make sure we understand not only that our theology is right, but, but even our practices are right. You know, what are we, what are we not only learning, but what are we teaching? You know, when you talk to somebody else um, about Scripture, you know, are you telling them truth or not? Uh, because we do have discussions with people from time to time about what we believe. And if we believe wrong, we're going to teach wrong. <clears throat> um, sometimes we have the, the wrong idea of authority. We forget that God is in control. God is the supreme being. Um, nothing else is. You know, this building... 
there's nothing holy about this building. As a matter of fact, the roof leaks. And it's pretty, pretty bad. Um, you know, don't do anything in, outside of this, or inside this building you do outside of it. This building doesn't mean anything. We pay rent on this building, you know. I, it, it's old. It's, it's nice to have, but there's nothing, there's nothing spiritual about it. It's a building. You know, the Spirit of God lives in you, not in, not in walls. Um, God, he's the one that we're concerned about. He's the authority we're concerned about. You know, don't worry about defiling the build and worry about defiling God. We need to make sure that, that we remember who the authority really is. Um, make sure you don't have a wrong focus. Sometimes we forget uh, the simple things to, to obey the minute things of life, or especially of, of Christianity. <clears throat> um, one of those being the gospel. Man, the gospel, I learned that when I was a kid. I, I remember hearing that. You know, forget that. I want to learn something else. Um, and you never, you never move beyond that. You never move beyond the simple things of what the Bible teaches. And, you know, if you go back and you look at what the Pharisees were doing, you know, Jesus said you, you, forgot, to be, you forgot to be just. You forgot to be merciful. You forgot to be, you know, faithful. And... <coughs> You're given a portion of deal um, to be holy. It, you forgot the main. You, you forgot what it's all about, and so you know our focus. It can't be on, you know, what little things do we need to do to be a better believer. If we're going to forget the love, if we're going to forget to put God in His proper place, if you know, if we're going to forget to treat others the way we want to be treated, what good is it if your focus is wrong? And again, having having a wrong heart. Do you ever act differently outside of church than you do in church? I mean, I've probably done it. I've not, I know people that's done it. I've 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 been around some people that uh, I was surprised to find out they were part of a church because of the way they act. Um, we get to deal with contractors and stuff sometime, and. You think a sailor's got a bad mouth, you ought to work around a contractor sometime. <laughs> um, some of them are pretty horrible. Some of them are great guys, but some of them, man, the things they say. Um, and then they find out you're a believer and like, oh, hey, I'm sorry about that. You're like, well, you know, what? Well, it didn't matter. I mean, you know, you're going to say it anyway. But, but then you find out, you know, they're part of a church. And you think, wow, really? I mean, you act like this. You, you tell these jokes. You, you say this stuff on the job side and... Uh, you're a deacon? It's like, that's pretty amazing. Um, but I've run across them. You know, we've, we've got a wrong heart. We're, we're trying to impress people um, on Sunday, and everybody else is like, I'll live like you do. Um, and, man, if your heart's right, you can't. If your heart's right, you can't not obey God. You know, you can't leave God here on Sunday or Wednesday um, if your heart's right, he'll be with you. He'll be with you every day. Um, you'll live to please him. You'll, you'll, you'll live to glorify him um, if your heart's in the right place. You have a wrong salvation. Um, salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. That's it. Your good works attribute nothing. Um, if you live with the belief that you can be a good person, you can do a good work, you can, that you can do anything... 
to save yourself or to, to add to your salvation or to begin your salvation, you're deceived. Your salvation is from God and God alone. It's, it's because of his grace. <clears throat> he gives you the faith to believe. Um, if you go around this county, you're going to get all kinds of answers about what salvation is or how to be saved. You know, we need to go back and say, what does the Bible say about it? Um, and not just one or two passages, but what does the whole Word of God have to say about that? How does this all tie together? How does this all work? Because um, we've got to get our salvation right. And then, and then our confidence. Um, where's your confidence at? <clears throat> because, you know, just as, as he talked to the, the scribes and the Pharisees about how, you know, you say, well, if I lived back then, I wouldn't have killed the prophets. Um, I wouldn't have done all these terrible things that our fathers did. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times we say, well, it's not fair that everybody's born a sinner just because Adam sinned. Like, you would have done anything different. You know, like, Adam messed up, but I sure, I wouldn't have done that. Um, yeah, you would. You, you definitely would have done that. Uh, sometimes our confidence uh, gets the best of us. We think we're better than we are. We think we're a better person than we really are. Um, and that's because we have our confidence in the wrong place. And our confidence is in God and what God's done for us. Um, <clears throat> I'm a terrible person. And without the restraint of God, man, I would really be terrible. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I know sometimes, you know, you watch the news and you'll hear of, of somebody committing a, a horrific crime. And you think, man, how could anybody do that? I can't believe somebody would do that. Well, I can because without the restraint of the Holy Spirit of God, there's no telling what I would do. There's no telling what kind of person I could be. Um, given to my own sinfulness and my own flesh, I have no confidence in it. I need the Spirit of God working in my life um, just to keep me halfway decent, uh, let alone thinking that I'm better than anybody else or that I would act better than anybody else, because I wouldn't. And so, and so check your confidence. What's your confidence in? Is it in you? Is it in your abilities, in your works, in your attitude? Um, or is it in God? Because we have to be humble. We have to realize where that comes to. And if we get these wrong, you know, Jesus says, woe to you. There's disaster. There's horror. There's terror. It's coming upon you if you, mess this, if you, if you don't get this right. And so we need to make sure that we understand what scripture teaches we need to make sure we're obedient to scripture um, <clears throat> because the last thing you want to hear is, is woe to you hypocrite so let's pray together um, and then we'll sing one more song and we'll be done today <clears throat> God we do thank you so much for your word God we thank you um, God for your love and your mercy and God how uh, we're all so sinful and imperfect and God, you know that. You know we need you. You know uh, we need your guidance. We need your understanding. We need your wisdom. Because, God, without it, we're doomed. Uh, so, God, I pray that uh, first you will humble, humble our hearts and our minds, God, that we, uh, we can set aside our pride, um, our arrogance, our uh, own belief, God, and we can take an honest look at uh, what your scripture says, God. God, help us to understand the truth of your word, the truth of who you are, the truth of your salvation. Um, 
God, help us to teach truth to others. Uh, God, I pray that as we, as we take a hard look inward, um, God, and we see areas that uh, we have believed falsely, and God, I believe, uh, I pray that you will humble us enough that we will change, um, that we will submit to you and your authority. And God, I do pray that, uh, God, if we take a look and we uh, see that we are indeed obedient and understanding of what you're teaching, God, I pray that that would not create pride in us. Um, God, but that would that create urgency, um, urgency to let others know uh, of who you are and how much you love them and what you sacrificed um, so that they could spend uh, their eternity with you instead of an eternity of, of doom and of uh, horror and disaster. So God, I just pray for those I hear now that you will speak to their hearts and their minds. Um, God, just help us to be uh, the people that you desire us to be. God, I do pray for our obedience. Um, God, I pray for our hearts that we will love you above all things, but that we would also love others more than we love ourselves. Um, God, we just love you and we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing this together. Be thou my vision.